And we are live. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenidos, senores y senores. This is the NAI Ball Podcast. Coming to you right now, right here, Season 4, Episode 5. All of this is being brought to you by Silverback Sports. ShopSilverback.com at ShopSilverback on social media. If you haven't given them a follow, you need to stop what you're doing. Go right now to your Twitter. Go right now to whatever social media you have, Facebook, Instagram, and give Silverback Sports a follow. That's at Shop Silverback on Twitter. Give them a follow. Support the people who support the NAI Ball Podcast. ShopSilverback.com is the website that you need to be giving a hit to as well. Check them out right now. It is a cost-effective way for you to get all of your arm care and training essentials that you need, whether it be for you individually or for the entire team at Shop Silverback, shopsilverback.com. Silverback Sports is the way to go. It's the people to trust. Silverback Sports is an NAI-made company. They're run by NAI coaches. They're NAI leadership. I mean, it is people that are in the NAI, in NAI ball, just people that you need to be checking out and people that you need to give a look to. Check them out right now, shopsilverback.com and at shopsilverback while you're listening to the NAI Ball Podcast. I'm your host as always once again here with you, Robbie Gutierrez, at RobG1063 on Twitter if you want to give me a follow, talk some NAI baseball. Super excited here to jump into the show with y'all. Let's take a look at what we've got this week. We've got our shout-outs and mentions as we've got every single week. We're going to take you back in what was a crazy week, a lot of weather-related issues that we had uh, late this week. We're going to go back and take a look at the best of the week, our weekend review. Some of these teams playing their weekend pretty much into Tuesday. Uh, we're going to go ahead and discuss the season so far. We're going to talk NAI Ball podcast hitter and pitcher of the week. We've got an interview with Tennessee Wesleyan breakout star Gary Mattis. Games and series that you need to be watching and checking out this weekend. And then, of course, we'll cap things off with our Silverback Sports Big Series of the Week. And we've got two teams making a big debut in that Big Series of the Week brought to you by Silverback Sports. Before we get into all of this, before we get going with the show and into our shout-outs, we first have to bring in the foremost authority on NAI Baseball, the man himself, your home for all of your new stat scores and information, 25, 8, 365 days a year, Mr. Cody Butler. Cody, baby, what's going on? How's it going today? I'm doing well, Robbie. Much warmer this week, man. Starting to feel a little bit more like Georgia out here. That was a good week, our deepest week yet. Like you said, kind of got pushed into Monday and Tuesday. This is the most games we've had so far this season. Uh, yeah, man, I'm ready to dive into it. Absolutely. Definitely glad that it's a lot warmer as well out here in deep South Texas. Uh, I don't know about you guys up north uh, like y'all in Georgia, but for us, I mean, I I went without power for about 50 hours. Uh, It was not fun. We're not used to that weather. We don't have the infrastructure, especially Cody, you know where I live, especially down here. Like if it rains in Mexico, we're going to flood. So uh, I'm definitely, definitely, definitely glad to be back and doing this. This was something that we weren't sure we were going to be able to do last week and this week. Super stoked that we're able to have this opportunity to be back with episode five of season four of the NAI Ball podcast. So let's jump into it. Let's get into it. Shout outs and mentions for episode five of the NAI Ball podcast. And we kick things off in the great state with Texas A&M, Texarkana head baseball coach Steve Jones wins his 700th game on Monday in an 8-3 victory over College of the Ozarks. Jones 
now sits 18th amongst active coaches in the NAI for wins. Reinhardt head coach Jonathan Burton won his 400th game on a 5-4 walk-off Saturday over Olivet Nazarene. Coach Burton led Lindsey Wilson to the 2015 and 2016 NAI World Series. Oregon Tech starting pitcher Trask Telesmanich was named Cascade Conference Pitcher of the Week after throwing seven innings of one-run baseball with nine strikeouts in the win over Corbin. And definitely, I can't imagine how emotional that was for him as that outing comes just a day after his mother's funeral. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the Telesmanich family and to Trask and to Oregon Tech uh, for picking up their teammate and and just an outstanding job by Trask to go out there. and. Uh, you know, just really feed into that emotion and, and do a wonderful job on the mound for his team and his ball club and his coaching staff and his friends. And definitely, definitely, definitely can't imagine what that was like, but our thoughts and prayers are with the Trask Telesmanich family. Madonna pitchers Nate Blaine, Ryan Dusang, and John Buclieri combined to throw a no-hitter in the 2 nothing win over number 22 Middle Georgia State. A big outing there for those three pitchers. Weber International Won the series over number 15, Kaiser, two games to one. A huge series win for Weber International in that one. Highly competitive matchup where all three games were decided by a combined four runs total. Kaiser has now dropped the first two Sun Conference series of the year. St. Francis, Indiana starting pitcher Hunter Frost threw a complete game shutout with nine strikeouts in the win over Thomas Moore. Frost was named the Crossroads Pitcher of the Week. Heading on down to Miami Gardens, Florida, St. Thomas University third baseman and Sun Conference Player of the Week, Alejandro Rivero, finished a massive weekend at the plate with a double two home runs and 11 RBIs. The Bobcats swept the Sand Sharks of USCB. St. Catharines' Dylan Jacob went 8 for 15 with three home runs, seven RBIs, and seven runs scored in a sweep over Bethesda this weekend. Mount Mercy out of Iowa. Opened their season in Minneapolis, scoring 41 runs in a four-game sweep over Morningside. Missouri Valley erased an 11-6 deficit against St. Mary's, Kansas in the seventh and final inning. The Vikings exploded for nine runs, won 15-11 on a walk-off grand slam by Alex Letcher. And then Wayland Baptist center fielder Luis Vargas has been named to the 2021 USA Baseball Golden Spikes player award watch list which is you know for those of you who aren't certain is an award given to the best amateur baseball player in all of baseball high school junior college uh you know d2 d3 nai division one all of that it is an award luis vargas is the player on that award he will join names like josh sears out of freed hardeman in 2020 uh 2019 mid-season Watch list player Austin Soka out of Oklahoma Wesleyan. 2019 preseason player to watch Dan Valerio out of Southeastern University. 2019 Georgia Gwinnett infielder Cam Corsi. 2018 Oklahoma Wesleyan player Chris Tapia Acosta. 2018 University of Antelope Valley player Tyler Pittman. And then 2016, a guy that I got to be around a lot in Kaiser University utility man, Caven Burgess. So Joining a big list of players right there is Vargas. But Cody, man, what stands out to you from this week's shout-outs and mentions? It's Trask, man. Going out there, picking up the win against Corbin. Throwing seven innings with everything on his mind. Day after his mom's funeral. Like Our thoughts and prayers, as you said, are with him and his family. Uh, just truly a stellar outing. Uh, just shout-out to him. And Oregon Tech, man. First-year head coach. You know, Coach Carson's coming over from Antelope Valley. They have really 
Mm -hmm. They're playing really good baseball. They uh, played William Jessup really closely, and I just think we've seen an immediate improvement out of that program already. You know, I got to talk to Coach Garces um, when I met with Golden Valley High School, and Richie Escalera is the head baseball coach there out in California, and we were talking about uh, the NAI and kind of what makes it special, and he was highlighting his program, Oregon Tech, and I sat in on that call to kind of look at what the preview for Oregon Tech and Coach Garces did some special things at, at UAV, uh, got them to a World Series. I think he's going to do absolutely fantastic things at Oregon Tech. Um, so it does not surprise me that he is, you know, doing these things, keeping these games close. Maybe the games haven't broken the way that he wants to yet. Maybe things haven't gone the way that he really wanted them to go just yet. They've got a big one this weekend with uh, LCSC. Of course, that's on Dak Stats, and we don't we can't trust anything on Dak Stats at this point. But that's what Dak Stats says. So we're looking forward. We're hoping that's going to happen. That would be an interesting game to watch. That's something we'll get into a little bit later. But you know it, that does not shock me that he's done some good things there. Uh, St. Francis, Indiana, Hunter Frost, a, a definitely a, a big outing for him. Uh, nine strikeouts and a complete game shutout is something that you can always hang your hat on. I mean, that's that's going to be something impressive out there. And then Weber International, Cody, in our very first episode, I talked about Weber International, maybe on the outside looking in, had an opportunity to get into that top 25. They hadn't started the season possibly the way that they wanted to, but to pick up a huge series win against Kaiser uh, there in Babson Park, Florida, and and playing on that field and getting that that series win for them was absolutely huge. And it was definitely uh, a competitive matchup with all of those games decided by four runs or less. So that definitely an interesting thing. I also, uh, Cody, I think, you know, I'm not sure how many teams played, but uh, Mount Mercy got to play uh, some, some indoor baseball. Oh, they did, man. They got to play at U.S. Bank Stadium, the home of the Minnesota Vikings. And it's just cool, man. A lot of NEI teams got to get in there this weekend. Uh, Northwestern and Clark were able to square up. Uh, Mount Marty and Presentation were able to play there also. So it's a couple of years running. I know Midland played there a year ago. It's cool for these teams to, you know, go in a big venue like that and just, you know, put on in a huge, huge atmosphere. It's just, it's got to be really cool for them. So, you know, hats off to U.S. Bank Stadium for making that happen. Absolutely. And, and it looks really cool out there. Of course, uh, like we were talking and shout out to mentions Mount Mercy out of Iowa getting the sweep over Morningside in uh, scoring 41 runs out there at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, a huge, huge, huge outing for them to start the year. Cody, man, moving on here to our week in review. Let's kick things off with an eight game series over five days. That's right. Eight games over five days in Arizona, and the series was split after five days and eight games. There was no clear winner in this one between Arizona Christian and Louisiana State University at Alexandria. LSUA and ACU split the series four and four apiece. Let's take a look at how it went. Game number one went to LSUA by a score of 6-5, as well as game number two, five to three. Game number three was 12-8 ACU, then 9-4 ACU then 6-5 ACU before LSUA won 12-8 and 12-1. And then the final game of the series went 6-5 Arizona Christian. Cody, eight games, five days, absolute madness. Yeah, man, I don't think we've seen anything like it, to be honest. Uh, I know a lot of these teams out West play, you know, some teams eight times in a year, but they usually, you know, they break that up four games here, four games later. Really about as competitive as a series as you can get. They played 64 innings. There was absolutely no separation. 
Uh, Alexandria took the first game, two games on a Monday. Arizona Christian responded, took two on Tuesday. Uh, then they just split, you know, kept splitting two doubleheaders. Really competitive series. Really impressed with Alexandria, to be honest with you. To go out to Arizona, take four wins off the GSAC club that just went on the road and took three or four from the Masters. So just really impressive. We know Arizona Christian's a good club. You know, they've already played LC a couple of times this year. They've played Taylor. I mean, they're 25 games into their season, and they're still hitting 330, just to kind of show you where ACU is at. So big-time week for both teams. You know, I think both will just kind of take it a 4-4 split. But, yeah, Alexandria, you told them they were going to go into a GSAC team 1,400 miles on the road, and you're going to win four games. I think that they'll be pretty proud of their effort. Yeah, definitely a good look for the Red River Athletic Conference and LSUA, ACU, as well. I mean, they've played the most games of the nation so far. Uh, I want to say, Cody, I think that's a pretty safe bet. But to hit 330, 25 games in the year is absolutely special. And they're looking, you know, uh, I know you kept up with the series uh, over the five days. And it's just wild to me that eight games were played for LSUA to go cross country, basically from Louisiana to Arizona, go to a whole different part of the, of the nation and get this series in and play the this and the commitment to get games in and all that from from Arizona Christian was absolutely fantastic and you know and and great series overall I know we we posted about it and we talked about it quite a bit between ourselves uh as that series was going on the masters and William Jessup they had a 2-2 split 6-5 William Jessup in game number 1 4-2 the masters in game 2 Game three went 8-5 to William Jessup, and then game four went 8-3 to the Masters. Cody, what did you see in this series? Typical GSAC baseball, you know. Two really good teams splitting, so we really don't know anything. You know what I mean? There's so much parity in this league. Yeah. William Jessup, you know, they're 8-2 and two after their first 10. They're hitting 340 on the season. Mike Schoenberger, Kevin Jordan, they've both been really good bats for this club. You know, just a good baseball team. Biddy May went out there in game three, gave them a good start. For the Masters, Aiden Stout, he picked up a complete game. Uh, ended up tying the series one to one. He was a big arm for them this year. I think he's undefeated now, two and zero. Brock Bell, who's actually hitting five hundred this season through basically fifty at bats through forty eight. He's hitting five hundred. He got his first home run of the year for the Masters. And then the series finale, Roy Verdejo, he had two home runs, which was able to cause that two two split. Big time, two really good programs. And I think you're going to see a lot of this in the GSAC, where the records are not going to look as pretty as some of these teams in other parts of the country because it's good on good every week and. You know, sometimes you're just going to split. It happens, especially when you're playing four games. You know, you said something there that that's pretty pertinent, and that's we don't know anything when it comes to the GSAC because it's such a dog-eat-dog league. It's, it's you know, uh, between first and fourth, no more than, than three games in a normal year uh, separate them. You know, so it's one of those things that can really be a mystery, and then all of a sudden we're not sure – which California team in the GSAC or, or team from Arizona or anything like that is going to be as successful. And then next thing you know is they've got two teams in, in Lewiston. Uh, it's just kind of wild. And, and so that moves us into our next week in review team or series that we need to talk about, which is Vanguard and HIU. And Cody in this one, a little bit more of a clear winner in this, despite the first game being nine to three, HIU Vanguard goes on to win the next three, eight to seven, six nothing, and fifteen to four. Justin Graves has been outstanding this year. Seventeen innings pitched, no runs, twenty nine strikeouts. Omar Ortiz had a home run, six RBIs. Tommy Rodriguez had six RBIs as well. This one, Cody, a little bit more understanding, but now Vanguard and uh, Westmont at the top of the GSAC standings. 
Yeah, this was a good series, especially if you're a Vanguard fan. Uh, Gavin Velasquez went out there for Hope in game one, pitched an absolute gem. Uh, their first baseman, Dominic Donato, he went three for three with three RBIs. That was all HIU. But after that, man, a uh, very close game two. Uh, HIU made it closer than it looked late. Vanguard, though, they just were really good, man. Ortiz had the big day in game two for Vanguard. And then Justin Graves, can't talk about him enough in game three. And he's a left-handed pitcher. It's going to be 86 to 88. And he's just controlling the zone right now. And he's pitching really well. That's 17 innings in a row without allowing an earned run. And if you look at his last two opponents, Benedictine Mesa, who's ranked, and now Hope International. I mean, the guy's just getting it done. And then Grady Connor, who's been a good bat for the Lions for a couple of years. He went three for four with a home run and three RBIs in the finale. I think Vanguard's a good weekend for them. This is a strong TSAC club team that's ranked high, and they're starting to perform like it. Cody, before we move on to our next series to watch, we do have some uh, news as as we're recording this on a Tuesday. Games going on from around the nation all day today, really. But uh, a big one here. Bethany has defeated Oklahoma City University by a final score of 17-9. to uh, Just some really big offensive days. Rowe went four for five with a home run, a double, and three RBIs. They had uh, Scrivener. Four for five, two doubles and eight RBIs. Lorg had a home run and an RBI. A huge win for Bethany and a tough loss for Oklahoma City where things have been kind of turbulent for the Stars to start the year. Uh, but really, 17-9, Bethany getting a big win. Yeah, I mean, this is honestly a huge win for Bethany. And Oklahoma City, you know, we were worried about their pitching coming into this season. You see it giving up a score of 17 runs in a midweek. Obviously not what you want to see. But Bethany can swing it, man. They were really contenders in the KCAC last year. They feel good about their chances this year. Uh, Braden Scribner, really good, man. He put up eight RBIs in the game. I mean, this was a guy that was on our radar last year. Braden's a really good player. Chase Lord's a two-way guy. Chase Lord's going to pitch for them. He's going to hit for them. Uh, This is a good Bethany team. And to go out there and get a win over the number 16 team in the country and to just do it so convincingly, you know, hats off to the Swedes. We'll go into now another series that really – could have gone a different way, but Southeastern University and Warner, SCU won the series two games to one. They won the first game convincingly, Cody, 12 nothing. But game two was 9-8. Southeastern had to come back uh, in that one. They Warner actually led up 8-2 to two before Southeastern scored seven unanswered to come back and win game number two. But Warner gets them back with a walk-off in game number three, a 6-5 victory. SEU's winning streak snapped at 39, longest in the country. Cody, man, I mean, this one really could have taken a different turn. We could be sitting here and talking about how big of a series win this was for Warner, but uh, SEU able to just come back in that second game. But still, nonetheless, this is a huge, huge, huge victory for Warner. It's massive. I mean, when you look at Warner, it's obviously massive. Their biggest win in a long time. Warner jumped on Southeastern early on Saturday. They went up 8-2 to two in the second inning of that game, too, which was the first game of that day. Uh, jumped up on them early, led for most of the game. Uh, Southeastern just kind of nibbled away, kept scoring here and there, closing the lead. Kind of reminds you of the Columbia International, if you go back to the first weekend, where Columbia International got up on them early, but Southeastern was just chasing them down. And the eighth inning, they were down five, 8-5. to five. Thomas Broyles, you know, the Missouri transfer center fielder, hit a three-run shot. They tied it 8-8. to eight. They ended up scoring a run in the ninth and got the win. And in game three of the series, man, Warner didn't let it get them down. They came back and they were able to walk off, put up two runs in the bottom of the ninth to walk off and defeat the fire, you know, snap their 39-game winning streak. 
John Pickman, the University of Tampa transfer, went six for 12 with six RBIs. He had a double and a home run. Uh, he actually hit the walk-off single to beat Southeastern. Incredible weekend for him. And uh, just a big-time showing for Warner, man. They really needed a win like this, and it's big for them. Cody, man, let's jump into the Cajun collision. This one happening down in Sterlington, Louisiana, at the Sterlington Sports Complex. LSUS went 3-1 and one in this tournament, you could say. Uh, Central Methodist went 3-1. and one. Benedictine, 2-2. Two and two. IU Southeast, 2-2. Two and two. USAO, 2-2. Two and two. And Lion went 0-4. Oh what jumped out to you the most from the Cajun collision? Oh, man, that's hard to say because I was just so impressed with this event. For one, how incredibly well it looked to be ran. Uh, I love that we were able to watch every single game of this. This was incredible. They had all three fields streaming. So that's number one. Uh, then on the field, LSU Shreveport and Central Methodist. I mean, to me, they were obviously the clear best two teams these last couple of days. Uh, when you look at Shreveport, uh, Sebastian Selway, he threw five scoreless innings against Lyon in the opener. Uh, Joshua Fortenberry threw four innings, struck out eight. He was really good in their second game of the night. Just really impressed, man. Cody Cole, their center fielder, he went six for nine at the plate with two doubles and four RBIs. He came around to score six times in a couple of days. Big wins for the Pilots to go three and one. Taylor for Harder, the home run against Central Methodist in the sixth inning, was able to tie the game for them. The Pilots were able to walk it off in the next inning. Uh, just really impressed with both teams, man. Mason Schwellenbach, he was incredible for Central Methodist. He hit home runs against USAO, Shreveport, and Indiana Southeast. He threw a complete game shutout against Lyon with 10 strikeouts. I mean, you look at their shortstop, Sergio Macias. He had the go-ahead single in the seventh against Science and Arts. He came back in to close the game, struck out the side. Later that night, he hit two home runs with six RBIs against IUS. I mean, just we've talked about it before. Central Methodist has All-Americans on that team, like several of them. Just really, really difference makers they have on that roster. And, you know, they showed up this week. And uh, for Shreveport to go out there and battle back, they were down that game 6-2. to two. Battle back, get that win, 7-6. to six. They finished to me, like as I quote, quote, unquote, the champs. I mean, they're both teams were 3-1. and one. They won the head-to-head. But, uh, yeah, just I was really impressed with just the play by everybody. Benedict team played really well. We saw what they did to get two wins against USAO and Lyon. And then IUS battled off. They got two wins. Just I was impressed with just the competition. I thought it was a really, really good event. You know, it, it definitely was. Uh, I got to watch one one full game, which is pretty rare that I get to sit down and uh, watch a full game. It was, I want to say, Sunday night, uh, USAO, and they were taking on Lion, and that was that started out as as a really good ball game. Colton Williams, as as per usual, was nothing short of of fantastic. Cody, it's not arguable. He's been the best pitcher in the NAI for the last three years. It's not arguable. He's just been incredible. And so that first game of the season for them, as USAO finally got their season underway. Uh, with some issues here and there. But that first game of the year for him has has usually been the weakest part of his season. That's where he shows the most vulnerability. And in talking with him, he wasn't 100% satisfied with his you know, outing and how it went. But, I mean, he was still nothing short of fantastic and in going five innings pitch, striking out eight, uh, walked three in the first two innings and then settled down and was just lights out from there on out, gave up three hits in the entire game, one on a little bloop single, and then two to Allen West, who was the opposing pitcher in that game as well, who threw started the game really well, but gave up two of the three hits to Allen West, who absolutely roping the ball left and right, took him to the right center gap one time. But uh, Colton Williams did really well. I did get to watch the ending of that Central Methodist LSU Shreveport game. 
which was absolutely fantastic. And, and really when Central Methodist, I, I want to say it was Mason Schwellenbach hit that three-run home run, just the way that the pitching was going for Central Methodist at that time, I thought there's no way. They had held LSUS down for most of the day. Uh, I thought, you know, it was it was something that would be kind of kind of done. But they made some moves to the pen, and LSUS was able to capitalize. They were able to take a couple of free passes and then as well produce some good hitting. Fajardo with an absolutely huge home run. And I always go back to that Peyton Robertson uh, strikeout before that. That was a borderline pitch that if he's on base, you're looking at LSUS is actually leading with that Fajardo home run. So just an absolutely fantastic matchup of this this Cajun collision that they had out in the Sterlington Sports Complex. I loved getting to watch it on uh, Facebook and that, you know, some of the fields were able to have that scoreboard interface and I was able to see, you know, what the velocities were and, and things like that and getting to check in on games as there's just so many games going on throughout the nation. You know, very rarely do we actually get to sit down and watch a game from first pitch to last pitch because we're constantly flipping back and forth between games. So uh, the Cajun collision was was absolutely fantastic. Shout out to uh, Sterlington Sports Complex, LSUS, for putting that on. Let's do it again next year. And then, Cody, last but not least, the Rube Foster Classic. We do have an update as this was a Monday-Tuesday matchup tournament and some finals to go over here with you. But just to kind of take a look at what's happening for the day, Mid-American Nazarene is going to finish this with a 4-0 record. Missouri Baptist is 2-0 right now. They look to go 3-0 in the fifth. They're up 16-5 against Tabor. Baker is 1-0. They are down currently to Columbia by a score of 10-5. Concordia, Nebraska is waiting to play Missouri Baptist, but they won the game earlier 15-1 against York. Columbia currently 2-1. They currently lead Baker 10-5, like I said earlier. Uh, Oklahoma City went 1-1. One one. They did not have a good showing against Missouri Baptist, an 11-2 final, but then bounced back with a 10-2 win over Tabor. Ottawa, Kansas currently 1-1. One one. St. Mary's, Kansas went 0-1. Tabor currently 0-2, down 16-5. Avila is 0-2 in this, as well as they did lose a little while ago to Mid-America Nazarene, 12-9. And then York, 0-4. I do not believe that they're going to play another game. Some finals to tell you all about from earlier in the day. Columbia beat Avila 5-4. Mid-America Nazarene beat York 5-4 as well. Concordia, Nebraska defeated York 15-1. Mid-America Nazarene defeated Avila 12-9. This has been pretty good, Cody, out in uh, Kansas City to be able to get games in for all of these teams. Yeah, man. Shout out to the Kansas City Royals Urban Youth Academy in Kansas City. I mean, they've been the host two years in a row, and I know Coach Goodman at Baker like, could not be more thankful to them for just being able to host this best of the Midwest type event. Um, you know, this comes together, and we're honoring Hall of Famer and Negro League founder Rube Foster, who is really a pioneer in baseball, one of the best minds in baseball. We encourage everyone listening to this to check out Rube Foster and just learn a little bit more about what he did for our game. When it comes to on-the-field stuff, Mid-America Nazarene and Missouri Baptist obviously are leading the way. Uh, Mid-America Nazarene couldn't have played any better than they did. I mean, absolutely ran through their four games. Kyle Waller was incredible in his start. John Vargas was incredible in his start. I mean, both of them, they went like 13 or 14 innings. And, like, I don't think they gave up a run. I mean, just really impressive stuff. Uh, they've been playing really well. They needed a weekend like this, honestly. Uh, Mid-America Nazarene, you're ranked nationally. You need to go out there and you need to 
you know, earned that. They've had some tough weekends, to be honest. Let's be honest. They've had some tough weekends to open this year, and they flexed their muscles. I mean, they really did. As for Missouri Baptist, Coach Ushold, you know, he told us that, hey, he thinks he has a really good team this year. He thinks that they're deeper than they've been in some of those World Series teams, and they showed it. I mean, they could not have started the year any better. I mean, they put it to Oklahoma City <laughs> their first game of the year. And this is an Oklahoma City team that had played already a couple games, and this is Missouri Baptist getting off the bus for the first time seeing the field. And, yeah, they just played on them, man. So, yeah, I mean, obviously we came away super impressed with those two. No, I absolutely agree. And and uh, Mid-American Nazarene and, and Missouri Baptist, just really, really good showing so far. Missouri Baptist, I mean, up by 11 runs right now in the fifth against Tabor and then uh, getting ready to play another matchup with Concordia, Nebraska. And I'm trying to see if we can get an update here into what is going on in this tournament because I, I do love giving live updates for a show that nobody's going to listen to until, uh, you know, Wednesday. So still there in the fifth and seventh inning, uh, they will play Concordia, Nebraska, and Tabor will take on Baker to close out the Rube Foster Classic. That's our weekend series in review. we got to give a shout-out to our intern, Connor Darnell, Bullpen pitcher closer for the Columbia Cougars. First appearance of the season today. Picked up the win over Avila. Pitched a scoreless inning. Wanted to give a shout out to intern. Intern, don't walk people. But pretty good job overall. You know, we we are going to give him the shout out for for the win. He did send me a coffee emoji uh, this morning before the game. So, uh, you know, we we appreciate Connor and, and everything he does. And I love giving him a hard time for uh, a walk, but he went out there and, and did exactly what his club has asked him to do at Columbia. And that's be a stopper. Uh, they, you know, didn't give up any runs. He was able to go out and uh, do exactly what he was, was told to do what he's asked to do as, as a pitcher in the late game as a, you know, a, a back end back game arm in the bullpen and uh, got the win today. So rare for that reliever to get that win. Congratulations to intern for getting that and doing a fantastic job as always. And of course he, comes out here with us and, and just does an incredible job. So congratulations to Connor on that. Cody, it's going to be a little while before the polls come out. And uh, we're, we're, at least, we're at least a few weeks away from the first in-season poll coming out for the top 25. But I do feel like there's going to be some changes inside of the top five as well as inside of the top 25 and i'm not saying that we have to rank everybody here and there but i do think there are some guarantees here i think one as as much as people maybe don't want to accept it lewis clark state is going to shoot up the rankings uh lewis clark state is going to shoot up the rankings and then i think two we're going to have a new number one and it's going to be tennessee wesleyan and that's not to say that southeastern is is playing poorly or, or anything like that. I mean, SCU is, is still having a really, really great season. They went ahead and, uh, you know, took both games of a doubleheader today against Ave Maria. They're going to have one loss heading into this weekend where they will take on Spring Arbor and Point Park. But Tennessee Wesleyan, I think, Cody, has been the most impressive team to date. Yeah, they really have. And I don't think it's that close, to be honest with you. I just think, like I said, we can't project forward, but I think to this day, I think they've been the best team. Uh, we said it a couple of weeks ago. I got to see that 2019 Tennessee Wesleyan team a good bit. Solomon Gwinnett that year, Solomon Lewis in that year. And this team is a good bit better than that 2019 team. I mean, they return a lot of the 2019 kids, plus they added even more talent. <laughs> like So 
you're going to have to like raise your bar. Like you're going to have to not just be as good as the 2019 team. You can't just be as good as our last national champion. You have to be even better than that because I truly believe this Tennessee Wesleyan team is, you know, I mean, they're looking like they're going to be one of those LC teams, you know, the 2016, 2017 LC teams that were just simply loaded. So I think this team is stacked. I think they've been pitching really well. I think it goes under the radar and I think it continue will be under the radar because when you score 17 runs a game, I mean, Look what they did to Indiana Tech, man. They beat Indiana Tech, a team that was in the World Series the last time we had one out in Lewiston, the team that's won the whack a couple of years running. They beat them 17 to nothing. They one hit them. They out hit them 20 to one. I mean, this is not your average everyday ball club. No, they're not. I mean, they're outscoring opponents 108 to 16, and that's something we'll talk about later. They've got a team ERA of in the ones below two, and they're hitting well above three 350. Heck, they're hitting well above 370. So it's it's one of those things that uh, they're really good and there's no way around it. And they've beaten some really good teams and they're going to continue to be really good. And if they continue that, you know, they, they obviously they're going to have a, a good matchup this week. By the time this podcast comes out, most of the people who listen to it from Tennessee Westland will already know the result of Tennessee Westland, Georgia Gwinnett uh, when they meet tomorrow. But Tennessee Wesleyan, in my mind, is going to be the number one team. I, I don't think Southeastern's exactly moving out of the top 25. But uh, how do you just not see that what they've done, the body of work so far, and say, say you know, Tennessee Wesleyan's not the best team in the nation at this moment? Of course, that can all change in a month. Um, do you agree with me that Lewis Clark State's going to shoot up the rankings? I don't know. I know they should. <laughs> I know they definitely should shoot up the rankings. You know I me. Mean? I'm the kind of person, I've been this way. I don't ever put LC out of my, my top 10, top 15. Because I'll be honest, like when I'm going through my top 25, I usually ask myself, do I think this team could take two or three of LC at Harris Field and Lewiston? And the answer more times than not is no. So I, I'm a big believer in LC most years anyway. And uh, no, I think LC's a top 10 team this year. I think that they could prove to be a top five team at the end of the year. I mean, they're certainly talented enough. So yeah, I think that they're going to move up in the rankings. But Southeastern, what are they going to move to number two? I mean, I would keep Southeastern too, wouldn't you? I would. I, I would keep Southeastern too. Uh, I honestly... If I'm going to reshuffle the top 25, it's going to be Tennessee Wesleyan 1, Southeastern 2, Georgia going at 3. Uh, I'd like to see a little bit more of a body of work, and we'll see that in the coming weeks from, from USAO. It's, it's not their fault that they haven't been able to play yet. Uh, St. Thomas at 8-4 and four isn't where they want to be, but they have a huge series win over Kaiser, who in the, going into that series, Kaiser was 11-0. I think Vanguard and Westmont are both candidates to um, make some jumps as Vanguard right now. Last time, you know, that I looked at DAC stats was updated. That's the other thing is, is DAC stats. We never know because I feel like there's multiple teams who don't have full schedules in. There's multiple teams who haven't taken out games that aren't going to be played, you know, out of DAC stats here and there. I know that there's a lot of spring sports going on, so I can't get on the SIDs too much about that. But DAC stats is just kind of a mess right now. And even at that, we've had some games that were uploaded twice. So we've gotten the, you know, the, the wrong information. Uh, and this is where we, you know, this is where we pull from. I feel like uh, Westmont at nine and three, maybe didn't have the start that they wanted Vanguard at 12 and two. But the other thing that I want to look at Cody is we go to the mid South. And I think that's a hugely improved conference and Cumberland's Kentucky is 11 and zero, and they are absolutely playing like it. Brad Shelton's club, Cody, has been fantastic this year. Uh, 109 runs, 42 is what they've given up to opponents. They're hitting 359, 
with a 403 ERA. I mean, they were on the outside looking into that top five, sitting at that eight spot. They're a candidate to move into that top five as well. Oh, man, I think they're a strong favorite to move in the top five. I mean, I think it's deserved. Unless something crazy happens these next few weeks, I think it's probably going to be a lock that they at least slide into four or five. Um, Brian Leaf is a guy that we've known a couple of years now. An absolute just dog for them, just an incredible player. He's hitting 448 with five home runs already. He had 20 home runs a couple of years ago. Super talented player. Candido Encarnacion, he's hitting 444. I mean, he's just a really big bat for them. Jose Rojas already has 16 RBIs. This team can sling it, man. I've got to see him in Lawrenceville, and they've played some really good teams. That's what impresses me. They have the best resume to date. It's not even close. Like, to me, it's not even close. They've beaten number four, St. Thomas. They've beaten Gwinnett, number three. I mean, just go out there. They've beaten Bryan, another top 25 team. They beat Point Park. They beat Northwestern, Ohio. And just look at how they're beating these teams. I mean, they're, they're not scraping by them. They're putting the runs on these people. And, uh, yeah, they're swinging the bat really well. I think they have the best resume. I don't believe Bo Chip's out yet. I don't think it'll be out for a while. But, I mean, I think when you look at Bo Chip, they would have to be number one right now. So, yeah, I think uh, Cumberland's has been really incredible. The last two years, they've been great. I mean, they only lost like three games last year. They were like 22 and three. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they've just, I mean, they've been a really good program. We've mentioned it before, as you say, they've been knocking on the door to Lewiston. And, you know, this might be the year they kick it in. So, just kind of, if we had to do a top five right now, would you say Tennessee Wesleyan one, Southeastern two, Georgia Gwinnett three, Cumberland's four? Who would you put at that five spot, or, or how would you reorder that? I might even put Cumberland's three, Gwinnett four, and not even just a single game because I don't think that you can make that much of a single game. I just think through 11 games, they've looked better. I mean, I just think that they've looked like the better team through the whole body of work. Um, yeah, I, I don't – the top five, you could – St. Thomas, I wouldn't punish them too much because I'm looking at who they've played and their losses are two as well. So Right. Um, I wonder what they do with Central Methodist, who's came out and played really well. You know, they certainly helped their resume this weekend. With USAO, like you said, we just don't know – Obviously, they didn't want to go two and two, not their best showing, but I don't know what to make of USAO right now. I know how much have they been able to get on the field? I mean, they've had, they've had, you know, they've had outside circumstances that have kind of, of, they, they haven't just been able to get on the field. They just haven't, you know, they've, they've had situations where they just can't get out there. How much have they actually been able to go out there and practice as a team? You know, we're not really sure about, you know, there's, there's quite a few teams, Faulkner at seven and one you know, as a, as a team to, to look at as well to move in. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of teams around the nation right now that are still, you know, 6-1 and one, like Asbury or, you know, Friends is 9-1, and one, McPherson 6-0, and oh, uh, Cumberland, Tennessee is 7-3. Is and three. There's there's just a lot of teams. There's some 8-3 and three teams out there. So there's a lot of good baseball-playing teams, Benedictine at 6-2 and two with two major wins at the Cajun collision for them. That'll be interesting. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how it can be ranked. But as of right now, I, I think, you know, I'm comfortable with, with, like you said, if we wanted to put Cumberland's into the number three spot, that's fine with me. Uh, I, I think Georgia Gwinnett bar none is, is a top five team still, no matter what, uh, not that they've, you know, you could place that one game above anything or, or anything like that, but Cumberland's has has had the body of work. Southeastern has had the body of work. Tennessee Wesleyan has had the body of work. So I, I definitely like that new top three right there. Uh, just a lot of different ways you could go in ranking this, and we will know more and more as we get to the end of February of 
what it'll start to look like because there's going to be teams who are going to drop out. Oklahoma City right now, three and four, uh, is going to be tough. Lions at zero and four, but they just opened the season, so you can't get the, count them out yet. Indiana Tech just opened the year as well. They're going to play Taylor this weekend. You know, there's there's a lot to go over and a lot to go off of. But shout out to Sagu. I mean, dude, they're fifteen and one to start the season. I mean, this is a team that had thirty plus losses like consecutively these last couple of years. I mean, they just last year they ended up turning around. They're like twenty four and thirty, which is like one of their better or twenty nineteen. Excuse me, was like one of their better years in program history. And and here they are. I mean, fifteen and one. They swept the doubleheader over Garbage Christian. Uh, this is a team that's like really starting to catch our eye. I mean, we've talked about Ben Bills, who's literally hitting five hundred through forty eight at bats. He's been he's has a 078 ERA. I mean, the guy is just really incredible. He is certainly going to make our all NEI ball team if he keeps this up. And yeah, I mean, I'm just really impressed with Sagu. This is kind of a, no one, I don't think anyone saw this coming and just really impressive, like super impressive. Well, with a few weeks to go until we have a new top 25, we will move on to the NAI ball pitcher and hitter of the week. We'll kick things off with our hitter of the week and a congratulations to GGC outfielder Griffin Keller who went 11 for 17 with 12 runs, two doubles, three home runs, and 10 RBIs. And then our pitcher of the week is Vanguard starting pitcher Justin Graves, who we talked about a little bit earlier. Eight innings pitched, no runs, 10 strikeouts on the road at number 23, Hope International. Cody, why these two guys? I just think that they were the most deserving. When you look at Justin Graves to go on the road to Fullerton, series tied up one-to-one, huge swing game. You're the first game of the day, and you go eight shutout innings, you strike out 10. Um, this is a guy from the left side, a sophomore, that is just continuing to grow into his own. Last year, his numbers were not as poor he wanted it to be. I mean, if you just look at his production last year, it does not match this year. And I think he's obviously taking his game to another level. And like you said, just the back-to-back weeks, man, it's just super impressive. What he did to Ben U, shut them down. And then to go out there and shut HIU down, who's a really good swinging team. I mean, this is a team that put it on LC, who we're really high of. So I just think that he had the best pitching performance of the week. And for Griffin Keller, I think, man, this guy has an incredible swing. Uh, it kind of reminds me of a guy I used to watch back in the day named Zach Reinhardt, but he has a lot more juice, Keller does. Uh, he's hitting him out of the park. Uh, Big-time bat, I mean, a lefty bat that is really just parking the ball over the yard. Be curious to see if he could flirt with some GGC records. But, yeah, just a big-time player. He was a guy that was super productive at the D2 level at Rogers State, and he's brought it over to Gwinnett, and he showed off. Well, congratulations to our NAI Ball podcast hitter and pitcher of the week. Georgia Gwinnett outfielder Griffin Keller and Vanguard starting pitcher Justin Graves. What we've got next here on the NAI Ball podcast is definitely a treat for Cody and I because this guy has been doing some big things so far into the year. It is none other than Tennessee Wesleyan outfielder Gary Mattis will join us now. And Gary Mattis, if you don't know him, you should. A 524 average with 11 hits, eight of them have left the yard of his 11 hits. He's got 21 RBIs. He's also got a triple. So nine of his 11 hits have been for extra bases. Eight of them have been over the fence, and we are absolutely pleased to be joined by Tennessee Wesleyan player Gary Mattis here on the NAI Ball Podcast, brought to you by Silverback Sports. Joining us now on the NAI Ball Podcast all the way from Tennessee Wesleyan is Gary Mattis. And ladies and gentlemen, he is off to a hot start this season. In six games, Gary Mattis is hitting 524 in 21 at-bats. He has 11 hits, 
eight home runs, 21 RBIs, and of his 11 hits, nine are for extra bases, one triple, eight long balls, 21 RBIs, a slugging percentage over 1,700, and an on-base percentage of 538. He does not strike out a lot. He walks just as many times. He's even got a stolen base this year. There's nothing he cannot do. Gary Mattis joins us now here on the NAI Ball Podcast, brought to you by Silverback Sports and the Silverback Sports Hotline at Shop Silverback and shopsilverback.com. Man, Gary, thank you for taking some time out of your day. I know you had practice here on this day, and you know, just we appreciate you taking some time out and, and jumping on the show with us. Yes, sir. Thank you, Robbie. I'm I'm really blessed to be on this podcast with you guys. And that introduction was amazing. You guys just hyped me up just now. I feel really good about that. <laughs> hey, sure, man, hey, we're, we're, we're happy to have you here. And, and you know, you, you've had such a great start to the season. I guess just kind of take me in to that. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about your story here as we go on. But, you know, did you think that coming into Tennessee Wesleyan this year, this was going to be the start you had? I'm going to be honest, I didn't, to be real, like, over winter break, I was just training every day just to, you know, just to do good and, like, be consistent. Like, last year, I started off really well. I just wanted to repeat the same process, you know. As soon as we got in from break, Coach Barry um, got us grinding from day one. So, I think that that really helped me out, like, starting up the season. You know, it, it, in you mentioned Coach Barry, and that's one of the things that I want to talk to you about is you, you've got an offense right now that's hitting 378. What is your mm-hmm. coaching staff and, and Coach Billy Barry done for y'all to, to really get y'all training in the right direction? You've scored 108 runs as a team in nine games. I think the biggest thing is, is like each each game he tells us, don't look at the scores. We just have to win the inning. Like even if we're up 8-0, 10-0, it doesn't matter. Every inning we have to win. So I feel like that just drives us to motivate us to be, be great, you know, like keep us aggressive. That, that was like the biggest key. And also, too, our hitting coach, Coach Larry, like, our key, our key term is um, look away, react in, and like once he tells us that, that, that this just changed our approach. Gary, talk to us about Lake Point, man. You opened up the year in Georgia. Uh, you started the year nine for twelve with six home runs. Kind of just talk to us about that weekend and just how locked in you were. Um, that weekend was amazing, to be honest. Like I was the best I've ever seen the ball. Like really, to be honest, like God over me for real. But it was kind of it was kind of weird because our schedule changed so much, you know. There's so much going on, so it was kind of hard to lock in, you know. But once we got our schedule set and everything was rolling, it was everything just went by smooth. But but we really uh, our team really worked hard and for that point, and that was my first game series because I got hurt in the beginning of the year, like the first practice with my oblique. So I wasn't really trying to do too much. I was just trying to stay simple and through the ball, and then I just went crazy for some reason. Well, you know, if that was you, you know, not really locked in yet, I'd hate to see what locked in looks like. Uh, yeah. But t- let's let's start here. You're, you're a South Florida guy by trade. Uh, you know, I, I've lived in in West Palm Beach. You, you know, you're from the Fort Lauderdale area, not too far from from West Palm Beach. You're a St. Thomas Aquinas guy, American Heritage Plantation as well. You commit to to FAU, and then you end up going to jun- junior college in, in Arizona. And you play at a wood bat juco in Arizona. What was that experience like for you? And how do you think that's helped you, you know, this year in, in what you're doing with hitting the baseball? After going to Arizona for juco, 
using wood bat is just it changed my swing like it helped me stay to the ball and like have real contact because you know wood bat doesn't lie like, you hit it bad you know it's either going to snap or you're going to hit a little dribble to short so during that season I feel like that's where it became like my swing became one Gary describe your skill set to people that haven't seen you play like what makes you so special like especially when we're talking about like offensively like what has you in the consideration for national play of the year just right out of the gate like describe your skill set to an audience that has yet to see you play um, my skill set, I, I say my best thing is really just my mindset. You know, like I just lock in, just try to, try to be great and try to play hard. Like Bill Berry says all the time, like I don't care what you do as long as you play hard and do the right thing. Like good things will happen. So he preaches that all the time, and and that's that's just my basis of my game. Like that's where I base my game off of, and then the rest just come. What's really kind of your your mindset in each at bat? What are you looking for? Are you a guy that's a you know straight pull hitter, or are you going opposite field? Uh, what's what's the the outlook of each at bat look like for you? What what is the thought process and just kind of you know if you can take us through what you're thinking because I mean the the results are there. Obviously, you know you're you're swinging the bat well. You're playing good defense. You're making things happen. So just kind of take me through what the whole thought process is for your individual at-bats? Um, my at-bats, I just look to not to be – not to overcomplicate, not to try to hit home runs, just try to be quick and score it up, and that's it. Like, when I put myself in that mindset, like, if I miss it a little high, it goes it's – a, it's a home run. If I miss it low, it's a, it's a hard ground ball through the hole. If I get it right, it's a, it's a solid contact. So I feel like that really helps me a lot with my swing. Just staying, staying, staying medium. Is there something in in particular that that you know? Is there a player that you try to, you know, maybe not really match your game to? Obviously, you know what works for you now. You're not trying to like change your swing in the middle of the season. But is there a guy, a player out there that that kind of that's who you wanted to be, or that's who you want to be? That's that's kind of matches who you are on the field each and every day. I like to say when I was younger, I was a really big fan of Dave Jeter. Just he always played the game hard. He was respected, and he had great character. So that's I try to emulate the same thing in my game today. There's something like I feel like the audience should know. Like obviously you have these crazy power numbers, but in JUCO you actually led the country. You stole 64 bases. Talk to us about that season, just stealing so many bases because that's really an eye popping number. Then that JUCO was a crazy experience. Like I know, like it's, it was an uh, NAIA JUCO D2, so. I know the only way to, for me to get out is to just do something crazy, you know. So I just tapped into, like, what I could do really well. I knew I had good legs, and I knew I could hit. I just wanted to, to to do something crazy to make a D1 or possibly get drafted. So every game, I was just – I always focused on just steal every base you can, steal every base you can, and then at the end of the season, it just stacked up to 64. Well, man, when that number that high, it really did stack up. I guess a question, another question I have for you is, so you came to Tennessee Wesleyan last year, and this is a team coming off a national championship. Like, obviously, you knew that going into it. Talk to us, I guess, just a little bit about last season, just going into that kind of program that you know, like, hey, this is the best of the best here. Like, you're going to be held to a high standard. And then a two-part question. Secondly, how bad do you want to go out to Lewis, and how bad do you want to make that memory? And, I mean, obviously, this team feels really equipped to do so. When I first came to Tennessee Western in the spring, I was Coach Barry gave me a very good opportunity to play here. I was very thankful to come to such a great school, like great field and great coaches. Like it was really a blessing. 
about uh, Idaho, like there's a lot of kids from the 2019 team on this team, and they talk about it almost every day, every day. Stories going on and on. So every day we work hard just to get there again. And we have a really great team to do it. Like we have we we have so many good players. Like we're deep this year. Now we got a kid named Zach Hogan. I actually played JUCO with him when I was in Arizona. We played against each other. Like he went to Central Arizona. And we got a good hitter there, Alex Flock. He's, he's killing it, too. He's got, I think, seven home runs. And we're very deep in the pitching staff as well. Obviously, you know, I think when everything is said and done and, and we looking at, we're looking at another poll here um, in the next couple of weeks, I think Tennessee Wesleyan's got a real shot to be that number one team in the nation. Um, I, I think coaches like Billy Berry, you know, don't really put an emphasis on ratings right now. Is there, you know mm-hmm. – he doesn't need to be number one right now. He wants to be number one at the end of the year. You know, is that yeah. kind of the thought process for the entire team and, and everything that y'all are doing? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He talks about that a lot. He's like, don't get too caught up in the hype with the Twitter and the Instagram, whatever. Just work hard and play hard every day, and you'll get what is yours. Just don't worry about number one. Just Like you said, be number one at the end of the season when it counts in June. And that's the mindset we've been having, like, every day. What is your walk-up song? We got to know. My walking song, last year I had a great Jamaican song, like, it was called Welcome to Jamrock, but honestly, I don't know yet. I'm just, when that time comes, when that coach sends the text for us to get it, then I'll know. It's just, right now, it's just, right now, it's just, I'm just chilling. Okay, we're going to send you some suggestions off of air. Um, I think Cody and I are, are going to be well-versed in the area of walk-up songs. Cody, I think we can do that, right? <laughs> Absolutely, and we'll even yeah. dive in and look for some of the more popular Jamaican songs too. That way, we can just be <laughs> inclusive, and yeah, we'll find something good for you. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll send you we'll we'll send you some examples of of things we'd like to hear while we're while we're on that, Cody. I want to you know see for intern as well. Uh, we're gonna have his entrance. We're gonna get to. We want to control his entrance music as well this year. But you know, man, I mean, obviously, you know the the journey that you've been on. Uh, from South Florida to FAU to Gateway to Tennessee Wesleyan, you know, there's a drive there in in finding a home at, at Tennessee Wesleyan now. Uh, is is there also still a desire to, to play baseball at the next level? Yes, yes. Every day, that's why I put in the extra work. That's work in the gym, extra work in the cages. Just try to play hard for like one day. Like it's been my dream since like, since a kid, you know. And like it's still best to be still be able to play this game, still being healthy, you know, and I got a really good opportunity, hopefully at the end of the year. So I'm just working hard and praying. Hopefully everything goes well. Silverback Sports Hotline. Gary, man, before we let you go, anything else that you want to say uh, to, to anybody out there, you know, listening? Shout out my mom. I know she'd be listening. And my dad, they came up to the game, surprised me. So I just want to tell them I love them. That's awesome, man. Yeah, no, it's always, it's always important when they surprise you. Um, and I, and I know that that definitely means a lot. So Gary Mattis has been our guest here on the NAI of all podcast. He stole 64 bases in junior college, but he's been a little bit busy rounding the bases for Tennessee Wesleyan with all the home runs he's hit to start the year. He's definitely a name that you're going to be watching the rest of the season and a name that you're going to have to watch out for this year as well. Gary, man, we appreciate you taking some time out of your day and, and joining us. Yes, I really appreciate you guys, Robin Cody. Like, it means a lot. I listened to your podcast last year, and I was like, and it's crazy to be on it. So I'm thankful for it. Well, we're glad you're here, man, and, and we definitely thank you for joining us.
So a huge thanks to Gary Mattis for joining us on the NAI Ball podcast. Of course, all of our guests are brought to you by Silverback Sports and come to us via the Silverback Sports hotline at Shop Silverback and ShopSilverback.com. Cody, man, it's time now for games and series that people around the nation need to be watching. What you need to be paying attention to are weekends, games, and series to watch. And again, Cody, cannot stress this enough. We don't know what the weather holds. We, Because of the state of the world, we don't know which of these will get these games in. But we are excited to take a look at these games, and we hope that they happen. We'll kick it off with Vanguard versus William Jessup. Indiana Tech will take on Taylor, LSUS, and Texas Wesleyan. Point Park versus Spring Arbor, IU Southeast versus Huntington, Warner versus St. Thomas, Middle Georgia State and IU Kokomo, LCSC versus Oregon Tech, Lyon Clark and Loyola, and LSU Alexandria. Any of these really jump off the page to you, Cody? Which one would you be keeping the eye on the most? Taylor, Indiana Tech, for sure. This has always been a good matchup. You got two in-state teams from different conferences colliding. I feel like they've always played super close games, so that one definitely jumps off the page. And, man, wouldn't it be cool if we could see Warner come up by another top-five team in the country? Yeah, that would be really interesting. I will be keeping uh, an eye on on Warner in St. Thomas. I know that whether that game's in Miami Gardens or, you know, at Warner, it is going to be something to watch, and we'll get a good broadcast for it. So I'm excited about that one. But, again, like you said, Vanguard William Jessup also is another one. But like you said, Cody, Indiana Tech Taylor, that's the one that I'm really interested in. I want to see if Indiana Tech gets that bounce back. Taylor. I think, you know, is is going to be looking for some uh, marquee wins for themselves as well out in the crossroads because it's seven and six wasn't exactly the start that they were probably hoping for, but it's a start that they were realistic they could have because of the strength of schedule for them to start the season. And, and it doesn't get any easier here. Like, you know, you've played all these teams out West already to start the year. Hi, here's Indiana Tech as well for you. So that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, I want to see Coach Garces. I mean, I, I think he just gets his players to to buy into the program. The, the, my favorite thing about him is he reminds me a lot of Loyola head baseball coach Jeremy Kennedy, who was my head baseball coach. Uh, of course, him and Robert Garza at Texas Wesleyan were, were my coaches at Northwood University, and, and I coached with Jeremy Kennedy at Kaiser. He reminds me so much of him. In, of, of coach Jeremy Kennedy because he gets his players to buy into the system and all of a sudden you, you take a look at the group that you have and you're like oh you know on paper we're okay but they go out there and they do some incredible things for you and I think Oregon Tech has been a lot better than we you know probably thought they would start out I, I didn't see five and five to get the year going so uh, I'm interested to see what they bring to the table Lewis and Clark of course is big physical and they're Lewis Clark. I mean, there's nothing else that you can say. I think Lyon is going to be looking for a big bounce back against Clark. Uh, so definitely there's going to be some things to watch. IU Southeast and, and Huntington as well will be a good one. Uh, I always like to see if I can watch uh, IU Kokomo, see how that pitching staff does. It'll be interesting against the offense that Middle Georgia State has. So a lot to watch in this weekend, a lot to watch for our weekend games and series to watch. But without further ado, It is our big series of the week time. Of course, brought to you by Silverback Sports. Cody will kick things off here with Tennessee Wesleyan and Reinhardt. For Reinhardt, coming into this series, 9-3 with a 2-4-6 team average and a 3-6-3 team ERA. Uh, Daniel Delinsky is the guy here for Reinhardt. I mean, he is the dude on the mound. He is big time for Reinhardt. He's got a 1 ERA. 
three and zero record, eighteen innings pitched, and he's just been absolutely incredible. He's walked one player the whole season, struck out twenty one to begin the year. Uh, just absolutely incredible for him to really just the way that he's been on the mound this year. Andres Ugarte is a guy that you got to watch as well. Behind the plate, 375 average, 15 hits, 9 RBIs. And Albert Mora, 308 average, 4 home runs, 17 RBIs for Reinhardt. For Tennessee Wesleyan, we've talked about them uh, a, a lot, but they deserve it. 9-0, and outscoring opponents 108-16. to uh, By the time that we're done with this, they'll, they'll have a big test in their back pocket already against Georgia Gwinnett. 378 team average heading into that Wednesday matchup and with a 1.63 team ERA. Gary Mattis, as we talked to him earlier, a 5.24 average, eight home runs, 21 RBIs. Zach Holgeson, 5.15 average, seven home runs, 22 RBIs. And then Chris Coleman, Coleman behind, you know, on the mound, 0.60 ERA, 2 0 record, 15 innings pitch, 19 strikeouts. This is going to be a really good series. Yeah, man, this is a big one early on. I mean, you obviously have arguably the two top teams in the AAC, and they're playing opening weekend in conference play. Uh, for Reinhardt, you know, right fielder Albert Mora, huge weekend last weekend. He had eight hits, three home runs with 12 RBIs. I mean, he was a guy who was in contention for player of the week. As you mentioned, Daniel Delinsky, eight innings, I mean, struck out 10 in his last start too. So he's just been an absolute dog for them. He's been a dog for them a couple of years now. Uh, this is big, man. Reinhardt was able to take a game off Tennessee Wesleyan last year. I think it would be big if they take a game off of them this year, man. So I think this is a big-time matchup. You know, we've praised Tennessee Wesleyan up and down. No matter what happens this weekend, Reinhardt's a team that's, you know, they've won eight games in a row now that they're going to stay in the top 25 regardless. And I think it's just a big-time matchup. Tennessee Wesleyan actually owns the all-time series record 34-10. to 10. So, wow. you know, yeah, history points towards the Bulldogs who have won that conference or won a share of that conference, I want to say 17, 18 seasons in a row. So – whether it's the, whether or not the regular season or the tournament. Um, so just obviously this is a big-time series for Reinhardt to go on the road to Tennessee, uh, who we think is arguably the number one team in the country. Yeah, this will, this will definitely be a good one, and I'm, I'm looking forward to Tennessee Wesleyan and Reinhardt. Now, Cody, we have a first on the show here in our Silverback Sports Big Series of the Week. The big one this week is Benedictine and Mount Marty out of South Dakota. Benedictine is 6-2 and two to start the year. They have wins over USAO and Lion, both inside of the top 25. Their team average, 359, a team ERA of 5.17. But the hitters, two big names here, Daryl Myers, Michael Slayton. Daryl Myers, 600 average, Cody, 18 hits, two home runs, 15 RBIs. Michael Slayton, who has been maybe the most under-the-radar star in NAI baseball that there's been for the last four years. 433 average, 13 hits, three home runs, 11 RBIs. For Mount Marty, they jumped off the page at us because they start the year 4-0. They outscored presentation 51-5. to They have a team average of .402 and a team ERA of 1.67. While they have only played presentation this year, the damage that they did offensively and the ability to keep presentation off the board was absolutely phenomenal. Clayton Chip Chase, a California JUCO transfer, is going to be 88-91 with command. He's a guy to watch. At the dish, Billy Hancock, 500 average, two home runs, a 1,200 slugging percentage, and then Mason Townsend, 462 average with a home run and six RBIs. Cody, I'm excited about this one 
because Mount Marty has just jumped off the page to us, and Benedictine has been solid to start the year. I wanted to see how they did in the Cajun Collision. Two and two is a really good result for them. They were in just about every single game. They had a big win over USAO and then a win as well over Lyon. Absolutely. Benedictine, they were a team that was a two-run walk-off home run away from being three and one. I mean, they played really well out there. As you mentioned, Myers, I mean, the stupid 600 average, just ridiculous. I mean, you start the year 600 to 30 at-bats. I mean, just ridiculous. He already has 15 RBIs, hitting at the top of the order with 15 runs driven in. Tells you a lot about their offense. Uh, Michael Slayton pimped a home run against USAO, did it against some of the best pitching in the country. As you mentioned, an elite hitter. Just, I mean, if we're going to pick a team of NAI players, that's a guy that we would pick. I mean, just a really, really good player. Uh, Jacob Pavlik, he hit two home runs at the Cajun Collision. He's been a good bat for them, too, this year, hitting 400. So I just think this is a big-time offense, man. You hit 360 as a team. We're looking forward to it. We're looking forward to see how they do against Mount Marty. Now, Mount Marty is a team that caught my eye last year. They started 15-5. and five. Uh, They were playing really well, man. Catcher Billy Hancock, that was a catcher. He was literally neck and neck. He was almost our all-NAI ball catcher last year. Just incredible start to his season. He hit 479 with five home runs and 23 RBIs in 17 games last year. I mean, he just picked up where he left off. Hit 500 this weekend, two home runs. Hit him out of that big ballpark at U.S. Bank in Minneapolis. Uh, Mason Townsend, the third baseman. I mean, he sent one to the moon. He hit one into the second deck there. This is a team that's just obviously offensively, they were really rolling. Now the competition level is about to step up. You know, they're about to play a good BC team that's played some of the best teams in the country which I think does wonders for BC, honestly. I think that's huge for that program to go out there. And this is like you can see, you know, a team from the heart, a team from the GPAC, and they're going to play four games. And, you know, I got to see BC three times so far this year. I got to see them all at the Cajun Collision. I watched three of their games. And uh, to just get to see how Mount Marty does for them, it's just to just compare and contrast two different teams from two different conferences. And, yeah, man, I saw this matchup, and I was like, this is the one I'm most looking forward to. Because I think Mount Marty, I think they were like, they loved their chances last year. When they were 15 and five, they were doing really well. They threw a no hitter. I remember like one of the last days of the season, Mount Marty threw a no hitter last year. I mean, this team was rolling. And now they get their opportunity to go into a BC team who literally this week just beat the number two team in the country. So I think this is a big time matchup, man. It really is. And and what it comes down to if you're Mount Marty, it's can you get the top two hitters out? Can you get the leadoff hitter in Daryl Myers, and the number two hitter in Michael Slayton out because teams have not been able to get them out this year. There's a reason why they're hitting 600 and 433 respectively. There's a reason why you know they lead their team in slugging percentage by a lot, by a lot. There's a reason why you know Daryl Myers has only struck out twice this year. He's walked more than he struck out. He's got an on-base percentage of 657. Slayton has an on-base percentage of 500. Combined, they're 8 for 8 in stolen bases. So, you know, it's can you get these guys out? Because even when you think, oh, well, they're just table setters, you look at them and they're two of the three players who have 10-plus RBIs. You know, Myers leads the team in in RBIs with 15, and Slayton is second in the team with 11. So that tells you that guys one through nine are getting on base and they're, you know, being patient at the plate and they're bringing bringing guys in left and right. Uh, You know, this is a team that's, They've just really been interesting. And, and then for, for Mount Marty, I mean, it's going to be a, a great opportunity for you to really show something out there. Like you said, Benedictine just beat USAO. You have a great opportunity. You have a great chance to 
to really turn some heads in the NAI in this series with Benedictine. So I am super excited about this one, man. Uh, I think, you know, this is for sure the first time we've had Mount Marty as our Silverback Sports Big Series of the Week. So I'm excited for Benedictine and Mount Marty. It's one that I'll be keeping an eye on and, and one that uh, we'll definitely have to take a closer look at as time goes on when the seasons move on and what these two teams have done, but definitely going to be some explosive offenses as both of these teams hitting well over 350, Mount Marty 402, Benedictine 359, going to be huge. Cody, man, before we go, want to give me some final thoughts and what's going on for this season, this weekend, how you're feeling, all of that. Well, I'm feeling great, first off. I'm feeling well. Uh, I think more teams are getting into conference play now, which is super sweet. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just more people are playing across the country. Hopefully one of these days we get, you know, my guy Brett Neffendorf and Campbellsville out there. They've still yet to play. Uh, One of the things we put out on Twitter earlier this week is uh, Arizona Christian has finished their 25th game this year, and there are still many teams in the NAI that have not played yet. So it's just wild, the discrepancy between the two. But, yeah, hopefully we just get everybody in and we start to watch these games and, you know, we could just kind of see it all play out. I mean, that's the one thing I missed so much about last year is it just so incomplete. Like, we didn't get to see anything. Like, oh, we thought Southeastern was going to win the national title. Like, oh, we thought Mount Marty could go out there and win the GPAC. It's like we want to see it play out. So I think that's the thing I'm most excited about this weekend and every weekend moving forward. Yeah, no, it's going to be fantastic. It's great to get more and more games in. I love – I know it's it's kind of hard with the amount of – uh religious institutions that we have some schools don't play on Sunday but I love being able to come home sit down uh Sunday evening and, and watch baseball I mean I, I love it uh, as somebody who produced uh Sunday night baseball at ESPN West Palm for years I mean I, I love Sunday night baseball and so uh being able to sit down and watch a game like I did for the Cajun collision was fantastic I love when we play games uh you know, Tuesday nights and Saturday nights and things like that. And I know not everybody's got lights, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's fantastic to see the amount of games that we have going on right now in the NAI. And, you know, just, just really, I'm just super excited to be where we are um, this far into the season, so far into the season. I mean, we're getting ready to get to poll number one. I'm super excited to see where teams are going to land. I'm super excited about seeing who's going to continue to be a standout star Who's going to be a rising star? Which teams are going to make a huge turn and just come out of the woodwork? Uh, you know, and I want to thank everybody who follows us at NAI Ball on Twitter and Instagram, of course, for all of your 24-7, 365 new stat scores information constantly coming to you. Cody does a fantastic job. Uh, one of the things we talked about this week, just in general, was NAI Ball is a small team. It's it's Cody, me, and and Connor Darnell, our, our intern, who I think Cody uh, at some point, you know, the work that he's done for us makes him, you know, just just as big of a part of the team as as you and I, you know. And and all I do is is talk. You know, Connor does all the graphics, and you do all the posting on social media. So I mean, it's it's just an absolutely incredible job that uh, y'all do. And then at the same time, you know just the more that people are able to feed us information. If you have something that you think is shout out mention worthy, let us know, you know, shoot us a DM. Both of our DMS are open. Uh, you know, if you have somebody that's a player of the week candidate, let us know, you know, there's 160 plus teams to check and Dak stats is not always correct because we have so many sports going on. SIDs are running around like chickens with their heads cut off right now. It's tough. I mean, you go on Saturday, some schools, 
are going to have football, basketball, baseball, uh, softball, track and field going on. And, and it's a tough time. It's a weird time for everybody. So, you know, really, and then really, really, really just communicate with us and let us know what we need to know. Uh, last but not least, Cody, broadcasts. We need to have, you know, uh, when it comes to broadcast, Cody, I think there's nothing more torturous than a broadcast with no sound. Oh, it's absolutely terrible. And those always come with no live stats, which is just great. So, so, so like, you don't know, like, who's hitting? Like, wait, is that a single? Like, I don't know. Like, it's it's awful, man. But I do really quickly on that topic, want to give a shout-out to Warner. Their broadcast this past weekend was incredible. So shout-out to those guys. No, absolutely agree. And, you know, uh, as somebody who, who called college baseball at the NAI level, uh, Sun Conference tournaments, uh, opening rounds, you know, multiple games a year for Kaiser, whether it be all sports for, for Kaiser, you know, uh, thank your play-by-play guys. Play-by-play guys, you know, if you ever want to talk play-by-play, especially if you're a student, man, like don't don't you know be afraid to reach out to me i mean there's so many tools out there that uh can help you from you know using a, a special type of scorebook to you know just the wording that you use i mean there's so many tools and resources and you know uh can always point you in the right direction to up your game you know for every hour you're on air you should prep for 2 hours it's something that robert ford uh play by play broadcaster for the houston astros on the radio is is something that he told me and that's something I've always remembered and, and taken to heart. Uh, so a lot of preparation goes into that. We're, we're thankful for the play-by-play broadcasters. We're thankful for the broadcast with sound. Uh, Warner has done an absolutely incredible job. That whole facility has just stepped up 3,000% since the last time I was there in, in I want to say, 2015, 2016. So uh, just absolutely incredible job. And, again, you know, thanks to Cody – who you can follow at NAI Ball if you're not doing so already for all of your news, stats, scores, and information. We look forward to talking to y'all as always. You can follow me, the host of the NAI Ball podcast, Robbie Gutierrez, at RobG1063 on Twitter. That's 1063 on Twitter. And we are definitely looking forward to talking more baseball next week on the NAI Ball podcast when we bring you episode six of the year brought to you by Silverback Sports. So watch some games, sit back, enjoy it. Let's talk some NAI baseball. We hope you have a great week and even better tomorrow. Stay safe.